Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning. Well, like Jordan said, thank you, Jordan. Like Jordan said, my name is Claire Woods, and I am the young adults pastor at Antioch Fort Worth. It has been a whole year of me saying that out loud, and I am still getting used to hearing myself say it. So I think I'm going to break what is probably a fundamental rule of preaching on a Sunday morning, which is to stand up here and tell you that it is my first time to ever preach on a Sunday morning, and I am a little bit nervous. So I'm very thankful for the love and grace that you guys are already extending to me as I preach this morning. The majority of my preaching experience has actually been to students under the age of 18. So I think I'm actually just gonna stand over here the whole time and look at you beautiful people and you will make me feel right at home. But seriously, I am so excited that you're here, whether you're here in the room or if you're listening online. I'm excited to share my story with you and the ways that God has met me powerfully throughout my life and showed me the way that um, I should live. And, And I hope that by hearing my story that we can discover a little bit more about who God is together. So since I'm up here, I'm obviously going to take the opportunity to brag on my beautiful family. Here they are. Look at them. This is my husband, Zach. We have been married for seven years, and he is the loudest and most generous expression of God's love and faithfulness in my life. I am regularly brought to tears by what a gift he is to me. And this is Parker Allen Woods. He will be three next month. I added an extra picture because how could I not? Um, And he is God's unending joy and, and laughter in our world. He is a little embodiment of encouragement. I was literally getting ready this morning, blow drying my hair, and he was standing at the, at the edge of the bathroom saying, good job, mommy, you're doing such a good job with your hair. And I was like, wow, I'm just gonna sit you here in my mind in the corner and let you tell me that I'm doing a good job the whole time. So he literally lights up every room that he is in, and we absolutely adore him. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we are adding to our family this coming November. Uh, baby girl Woods will be here as so soon. No, we do not know her name. Yes, we are taking suggestions. You can feel free to find my husband after the service and give him all of your recommendations. We have been a part of this Antioch Fort Worth family for a little over seven years. And man, we have just been blown away by the passion for Jesus in this place. We have been spurred on in our pursuit of knowing him. We have been shaped by the power of discipleship. We've been challenged in our pursuit of righteousness and peace. And we have been celebrated and carried and fought for by this community in the heights and in the depths of life. And so whether you've been coming to Antioch for two weeks or 20 years, we truly believe that you have found yourself in the family of God. Those who love and pursue Jesus with their whole self and who authentically and genuinely care about every single person who walks through those doors. And so I pray that you experience the fullness of God and the depth of community for however long you are here with us. 
And so as a church family, we've really spent the majority of this year unpacking this idea of the story of God or the story we find ourselves in. We've been talking about this big, beautiful, unified story that uh, introduces us to a God who created the whole world and then created humans to live and reign with him in this creation. But after humans chose to disobey God, they were separated from him. And the story goes on to see how God faithfully pursues his people no matter how many times they are led astray. And we've been given a key or a lens in which we uh, can understand or see the whole story in the person of Jesus, God's own son who came to earth as the exact representation of what God is really like. And to show us the way back to perfect union with the Father and how we can become reflections and representatives of him through his church until he fully restores us again in his new creation. That's the story. And then we've spent the summer hearing from all these different people from within our own church family about how they have found themselves in this big, beautiful story. And it's been incredible, right? We've heard stories of the treasure that comes from pressing into community from Brian and the power of discipleship from James and, and experiencing God's, the Father's heart of God from Isaiah and hearing stories of justice from Sandy and incredible stories of hope from Emily. And then Jordan bringing this awesome word last week about how our highest calling as his disciples is to simply stay in his presence and that's where we see freedom and breakthrough in our lives. And that's kind of where I want to pick up this week because it's been amazing to me to see all these different people share these stories about how they found themselves in the story of God. That it was by discovering who God is and what he was doing in their midst that showed them who they truly were, their identity, and what they were called to, their purpose. And so I want to unpack that together today. My main thing is this. Finding our true identity in Jesus shapes our unique calling and purpose for how we find ourselves in God's story. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in together. Father, we love you. We say you are worthy of all of our attention and our affection, and so we turn our eyes and our ears to you this morning. Would you speak to us? Would you reveal to us your heart and your nature to us as we speak? And as we continue to discover who you are and more about you, Lord, would you be revealing our own unique identity and purpose in you? We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So much of my story has been God shaping the direction and purpose of my life by revealing my true identity in Jesus. And all my life, I've struggled to understand who I was or, or what I was made for. And I think we all ask those questions throughout our life, don't we? Who am I? What was I made for? What is my purpose in this life? Because identity is a huge deal to us, right? Labels are what help us understand who we are and how, and explain who we are to the world around us. <laughs> Think about some of the most basic labels that you've carried throughout your life, male or female, right? 
We, we take our race as a label that we use to describe the world or our nationality to describe who we are to the world. It wasn't long after I moved here that I learned that you people wear the Texas label very proudly. <laughs> and we all have these labels that represent our occupations or our accomplishments or our failures, things about our personality, our beliefs, our convictions, our relationships, how we spend our time or our resources. These labels can come from culture and society. They can come from our experiences that we have in our life. Some are placed on us by other people, right? And some we reach out and claim ourselves. And a lot of them are positive, helpful adjectives that tell the world who we are, give people information about who we are. For example, when someone tells me they're a Cowboys fan, I immediately have information about them that helps me understand them better, right? I love all the Cowboys fans out here. Y'all are great. However, some of them can be harmful when we use them to define ourselves or the people around us. I'll give you some of mine. I'm a woman. I'm a Floridian. I think I can rightfully, after 10 years, claim my rightful Texan label, but, you know, I was a Floridian. Growing up, I was a daughter and a sister. I was a performer a student, a teammate. I eventually became a Texan, a college student, a roommate, a Baylor University graduate, sick and bears, a worship leader, a wife, a business development specialist, a life group leader, a mom, and a pastor. Some less obvious labels I've carried were things like friendly, loud, extroverted, life of the party, musically talented, strong, sometimes too strong, confident, sometimes too confident, messy, chaotic, unreliable, stupid and unintelligent, spineless, too trusting of others, fearful, needy, selfish. It's wild when you start to compile the list of the labels that you've accumulated throughout your life. I challenge you to do it, it's eye-opening. <clears throat> you start to realize that we, as human beings, are constantly being handed labels throughout our life. And we have to decide which of those labels we want to claim and how it shapes the way we live. Sometimes we reach out and claim some labels ourselves when we're not sure who we are or who we should be. There's also an enemy, a literal accuser, who is doing everything he possibly can to thwart the labels that we've been given to teach us something that isn't true or real. But through all the voices and the noise, before you were born, before the beginning of time, really, knowing fully the experiences that you would have and the labels that you would be handed, God has been boldly proclaiming your identity over you. <laughs> he wants to shape each one of us into our truest selves by revealing to us who he says that we are. I pray today that in hearing some stories about finding my, how finding my true identity in Jesus helps shape the way I choose to live, that you too can wade through all the labels that you've been handed and cling to what God says about you too. So I want to take us to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17, which was my favorite passage of scripture growing up. I think God smiled a lot when I would recite it, knowing what it would later mean to me as an adult. I love it in the New Living Translation. It says this, 
So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently do we know him now? This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. What a beautiful concept. This is telling us that the moment that we commit our lives to knowing and loving Jesus, that we actually get to exchange all our earthly labels and receive new heavenly ones. We, if we embrace this new identity in Jesus, it changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we approach and relate to God, and it changes the way that we live our life. But sometimes it's not so easy because a lot of us have been carrying around these labels for a long, long time. And in fact, when God began this identity journey in me, I quickly learned that I couldn't let go of some of these on my own. But it was by discovering more of who God is and what he's really like, only then could I really embrace some of these things that he was speaking over me. Like I mentioned before, I'm originally a Floridian. I grew up in Orlando, Florida, which is a funny but wonderful place to grow up. My family attended an Episcopal church and I attended a Catholic school, so I was well accustomed to a traditional high church environment. I knew the basic principles of what it meant to be a Christian and I even asked the Lord into my heart when I was a small child. I knew that God had, oh, was to be worshiped. I, I had a genuine reverence and awe of him, but I had no idea that he wanted a personal relationship with me and I definitely didn't know that he had anything to say about who I was or how he wanted me to live. I was one of three daughters with two parents who loved us very much. And yet even with a family who loved me, I still developed a deep need to be accepted by other people. So eventually I learned that I could put on different labels to be accepted by different people. And I became exceptionally good at that. To my athletic friends, I was athletic. And to my artsy friends, I was artsy. And to my Christian friends, I was super Christian. And to my, my party friends, I loved to party. I literally became like a chameleon, adapting to whatever situation I was in in order to be accepted. But then once I thought that someone was getting close enough to me to realize that this was all an act, I would just disappear and I would go find another group of friends to come and be a part of. And this lasted well into my years at Baylor. Um, and, and, and it got to the point truly where, where I had different sets of clothes that I would wear. I had different hobbies that I would pick up and take down, different foods that I would say I would or wouldn't eat. Believe it or not, I actually changed my major multiple times depending on who I was trying to fit in with at the time. It got really out of hand. <laughs> and while my, out, out, while my outside labels were constantly changing, my, inner, my internal labels were staying painfully the same. Alone, ashamed, rejected, inadequate, unworthy of love, and a fraud. My junior year, I drifted in and out of a friend group, as I usually did, 
And when I began to do my disappearing act, there were a couple of girls who loved Jesus dearly who saw me. And they began to befriend and pursue and come after me differently than anybody else ever had. And after months of keeping them at an arm's length, I followed them into a church, a college church service on a Wednesday night. It was, my, it was the day after my 21st birthday. And sitting in the back through tears, I will never forget it, I, I sat through tears and I decided that I was gonna give this following Jesus thing a valid shot. And that was 11 years ago next month, and I have never looked back. And I just wanna say that you can never underestimate the power of a simple invitation, y'all. These girls had no idea what they were doing when they decided to love and care for me as Jesus would. And if there's someone in your life that, that God is highlighting to reach out to and to invite them into more of God, I challenge you guys, it's worth it. I am a living example of how it can radically change someone's life. After that night, I dove headfirst into all that it meant to follow Jesus, and he became the treasure of my life. I began the beautiful, lifelong journey of discovering what he was really like, and he was very different from what I had assumed about him or the things that I had learned about him as a child. And the more I got to know him, the more I allowed myself to be fully known and loved by him. This allowed me to experience the life-changing power of discipleship and experience and walk out in the vulnerability and trust that came in, commun in kingdom community and friendship. I learned how to spend time in God's presence, how to still my soul and listen because the king of the universe wanted to speak to me. And as he spoke, he began to sort through all the labels that I had collected throughout my life and slowly replaced them with his truth, my true identity in him. My first point is this. God gives us a collective identity as members of his family where we can trade in all our earthly labels and receive new heavenly ones. This new identity is available to all of God's kids equally. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what kind of life you've lived. It doesn't matter where you're at in your relationship with him. This is our collective identity as believers. It's the free gift that we've received when we chose to follow him. God first describes humanity in Genesis as being made in his own image so that we could fill the earth and govern it. This means that we were made, our original identity as human beings was to be a reflection of God's own character and representatives of his purpose in the earth. Adam and Eve walked confidently in their identity as sons and daughters, reflections of his image and likeness, completely whole and accepted in communion with him and partners to rule and reign with him in his creation. But after the fall, humans put themselves in the judgment seat, right? They, sep they were separated from God, so they forgot what he was really like, and so then they began to look around and start to identify themselves based on what they saw. And worse, they began to identify other people based on what they saw. And they lost sight of God's image and began to, and began to look towards each other to figure out or wrestle with what was good or evil or true. 
And we see that God spends so much of his story trying to remind humans of their original true identity, right? There are so many stories throughout scripture where God reveals himself to characters in the Bible, and it seems like the conversation always goes the same way. God starts by revealing to them his true identity. That's how the conversation always starts. He says, I am the Lord your God. I am the one who brought you out of Israel. His identity first, right? He starts to reveal himself, and then he starts to speak to them their true identity. Because this is who I am, therefore this is who you are. And then, using both of those things, he begins to reveal their unique purpose in his story. So eventually, Jesus comes on the scene, God's own son, like I said, a perfect reflection what he's like. So all these people have forgotten who the heck God is or what the heck he's like, and then Jesus comes, and he is an exact representation of the Father. And he embodies our original identity that we had before the fall. Some call him the new Adam. And his foundational message was, come, leave all your earthly labels behind and follow me. I will show you what the Father is really like, and you can reclaim your rightful identity as his children. So, what is our collective identity as believers? Well, there's a lot of them. Scripture is literally filled with them. However, I'm gonna throw a few up on the screen that were some of the most impactful truths that changed my life. And I actually am gonna invite you to close your eyes because I'm gonna read these over you. And I just want you to take a minute and really receive them. And it, it can be a moment where it might be a check in your heart to wonder if these are really things that you believe are your identity as his kids. I am loved and enjoyed by God. I am fully known and accepted by God. I am a friend of God. I have been redeemed by God. I have been set free by God. And I have been adopted into God's family. Amen. You can open your eyes. I can think of moments and experiences where God helped me exchange all of the earthly lies that I had been believing for those particular truths instead. Some of these I clung on to quickly, and some of them took me years to fully embrace. I wanna tell a quick story about that last one. Like I mentioned before, I grew up in a family that loves me. My parents are incredible. I know that they're watching this morning, and I just wanna honor the both of you for the way that you loved and cared for and accepted and shaped me into who I am today. However, the, the way that our family operated, uh, the, the, when I left the house to go to college, I was lacking some basic life skills that really affected the way that I lived my life. I was messy, I was chaotic, I was losing things all of the time. I didn't know how to do really basic things with my time or my money, and it, it really identified me. I mentioned before, I, I was known as the girl who was messy or unreliable or all of these different things. And when I graduated, I... Uh, I really, and I was entering young adulthood, I really just felt behind. Uh, I really felt like there were so many things I didn't know how to do in life, and I felt alone, and I didn't know how to navigate these things, and I really just wanted someone to come and, and pull me in under their wing and show me the ropes to life and kind of take me in and show me how to live, especially as a new believer. 
And so I was graduating from Baylor and I was gonna do the Antioch Discipleship School that following year. And my college pastor at the time set me up with a family. And this family took me in for a year and they decided I would live with them. And when I moved into their house, they told me all of the things that they do as a family. Things like make their bed and clean their bathroom and show up to family devotionals and all of the things that I do not do. <laughs> and I remember looking at her and being like, huh, I don't know if I can do this. And she was like, oh no, I believe you can. <laughs> and, and in that year, I spent multiple years with them, but in that year, she got it, this family, this couple in particular who are here this morning, they drove up from Waco to be with us this morning. I'm so thankful. Um, they got into every corner of my life. And she showed me how to make my bed every morning. And she showed me how to clean a bathroom and use a vacuum for the first time. I'm not kidding. <laughs> she, she dragged myself out of bed at six in the morning and taught me how to spend time with Jesus. They, got, they paid off some of these debts that I had and then set up a payment plan and got into my finances to teach me how to be a good steward of my money. They invited me to family devotionals and family vacations and family holidays. And I slowly became adopted into their family and it changed the way I saw myself and the way that I related to God and the way that I chose to live my life. And slowly over that time, God began this heavenly exchange of saying that I was alone and left to fend for myself to that I was adopted into a family. And I began to realize that if I could have this much life change and impact from a family who adopted me, how much more is my life changed when I accept and embrace the reality that I've been adopted into God's family? And so I honor you guys in the way that you chose to live your life and lay it down because it radically changed me. Friends, God will go to great lengths to show us that we have been redeemed and set free and made whole and alive in Jesus. God, that we've been adopted into his family and can partner with him as he accomplishes his purposes in the earth. Do you believe these things about yourself? How has God revealed your true identity to you? Are there labels that you're still carrying around that you've collected throughout your life that maybe it's time for that heavenly exchange where you get to give all those labels over to the Father and he bestows a new rightful identity as his kids in his family? I think this will be a lifelong exchange for us. As the years go by, so often I pick up a label or an identity from the world or my experience or my own insecurity that I find needs to be replaced. I come back to these statements often because we can so easily forget these powerful truths. And God is so patient and kind to meet us where we are and take all of these false identities and proclaim his truth to us instead. So God has given us this collective identity, right? who we all are in him as members of his family. And these truths are life-changing, but God doesn't stop there. Not only does he know and love us collectively as his children, but he also knows and loves us uniquely as well. I love to think about the idea that God is so big and so beautiful and so, and so expansive that he had to create billions and billions of little representations of himself to fully embody who he is. This leads me to my second point, which is that God only, not only gives us a collective identity, but sets each of us apart 
with a unique identity. There is literally not a single other person in the world like you, which means that God has planted a unique fingerprint unlike any other fingerprint on you that is his image. What are the unique things about you? Maybe it's, your, maybe it's a gifting or parts of your personality. Maybe it's a specific experience that you've had in your life that have shaped the way who you are today. Sometimes it's a prophetic word or encounter that God literally deposits something into your life that is meant for you to carry. God uses all of these things to shape and, and reveal to us how he has uniquely and specifically made us. Jesus loved to prophesy people's unique identity over them. My favorite example of this is Peter. There's a moment in Matthew 16 where Peter declares his revelation about who God is and Jesus responds by prophesying Peter's unique identity over him. Let's look at it together. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Wow, <laughs> that is a very powerful identity statement for him to say, hey, upon you, Peter, I'm gonna build my church and I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind up and say is true on earth will be so in heaven and vice versa. That is a huge deal. But he's calling Peter out in that moment. He's saying, hey, not only do I want you to live as my friend or my child, but I'm gonna set you apart because I want you to live your life in the unique identity I'm proclaiming over you. So when God started to shape my identity in him, he not only showed me my collective identity as believers, but he reached into my personal story and showed me how I was uniquely made. It is no secret around here that I love to sing. I've been a performer all my life. It was a label that I carried around proudly, even when I was always constantly changing other parts of myself. Music was always a part of me. And when I started walking with Jesus, my senior year at Baylor, I found myself in the college ministry at Antioch Waco. And it wasn't long before I started singing on their worship teams. And I began navigating this whole new world of performing and music that I had never experienced before. And as I explored this new identity, it was very clear that I was carrying around a lot of old labels that defined who I was musically before I knew Jesus. And God wanted to reshape and redeem that unique identity in me. So like I said, I spent the first year of college out um, doing the Antioch Discipleship School. And during that year, I had a dream one night that I was swimming in a deep water. 
And when I made it to the bottom, I uncovered this, or I, un, I what's that word? I moved it, whatever it is. <laughs> I moved it, and it uncovered two gemstones. One was blue, and one was red. And I woke up, and the Lord began to explain the dream to me. He, I sensed immediately that it had something to do with worship leading, and I felt like he highlighted the blue stone and said, this one is for you. And then I felt like he highlighted the red stone and said, this one is for the church. And God used this dream to begin sharing a unique identity he wanted to prophesy over me. The red stone represents freedom. And he began, it was a, and it was a symbol of, of all the ministry he wanted to do with, through my anointing as a worshiper and a worship leader. Specifically, to be a proclaimer of his freedom to those who felt enslaved or held captive in their sin or struggle. He began speaking to me through Isaiah 61, saying that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, and the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. I was hyped. I was excited. I was like, I'll take that. Yes, please. And then the Lord addressed the blue gemstone. He said that it represented surrender. And he began to teach me about it, what, it lent to, what it meant to live a life of complete surrender. He spoke to me, Romans 12:1, and said, I urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. He said, these two stones must always be used together. The only way that you can fully walk out in your identity as a proclaimer of freedom is if you own your personal identity in a life of surrender. They can never be separated. In fact, you have to carry both of them in front of you all the time. And as I explored this identity further, I'd started to discover the power of the unseen life where I found that the greatest treasures in the world are found not ever, not not, not ever, but let me see what I actually said. <laughs> um, that, that they can never be separated. In fact, sorry, these are, I'm getting lost. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> where I found greater treasures than I could ever find on a stage in front of people. I found in the power of the unseen life. And I began to understand that the most powerful and effective leaders would stand up here and operate out of the overflow of the things that they were doing and experiencing when no one else was watching them. Now, am I the only one who will ever proclaim freedom in worship or live a fully surrendered life? Of course not. But do you see the way that God used a personal gifting and experience in my life to shape this unique identity in me? What are the things that God is calling out in you? Have you asked him to share with you your unique identity in him? What are the stories or experiences that he wants to reach in and redeem to say, hey, I've set you apart? And this is how, and, and by setting you apart and showing you who I have uniquely made you to be is how I want you to uniquely live. Because God shapes our collective identity as his people, and then he sets us apart with this unique identity. But why does our identity matter? Is he just giving it to us to make us feel better about ourselves? No. 
I think that there's something more. My last point this morning is that God has called us to a life with purpose. And he uses our identity, both collective and unique, to show us how we can all participate in God's story. Our identity was shaped for the purpose of partnering with God to bring hope, restoration, and reconciliation to a hurting and broken world. And he deposits a unique identity in us so that we can carry out a unique purpose in his story. I love the way that it is described in 1 Corinthians 12. So let's read it together. 1 Corinthians 12, verses four through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of that same spirit. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I love this. Paul is saying, hey, it's gonna, you look different for everybody. Everybody's gonna bring something unique to the table. Everyone's gonna operate in different giftings and in different unique personalities and styles that's going to be one beautiful reflection of my church. I wanna tell a quick story about how God did this to in mine and Zach's marriage early on. Because God not only wants to prophesy identity and purpose over individuals, but over marriages and over life groups and even over churches and families to be a unique expression of him to the world. It's why I love the body of Christ and why we can celebrate the expressions of different denominations, but that is another sermon. Anyway, Zach and I had just gotten married and we were with some of our friends in Waco at a worship time. And somehow we were introduced to this gentleman who was visiting from South Africa. I don't even remember his name. Um, and after spending some time in the presence of God together, this man began to prophesy our, over Zach and I about each of us individually, but more so about who God was creating us to be together. And I'll never forget it because he was silent for a minute. <laughs> And then he said, I really hesitate to say this, but I really feel like it's from the Lord. I feel like God is saying that you're going to experience a lot of pain in your life. And I honestly could not tell you what he said after that because in my mind I was like, mm, immediately no. I was like, no thank you, uh, I, I do not receive that, I am an Enneagram 7, I hate pain in all forms, this is not what God is saying over my life, no thank you, la 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 la, but you know, I was like, no. <laughs> but that word stuck with us, and the Lord began to reveal his heart to us early on in our marriage about the unique identity that, and calling that he was placing on our marriage and on our home to be a refuge for people in pain. Sure enough, seven years later, my husband is a physical therapist and together we operate a physical therapy clinic where every day people walk in and out of our doors in chronic physical pain. Not only that, but there has been an immense grace 
and, and purpose on our life to be able, in the last few years, to be able to open our doors to people who are navigating deep emotional and spiritual pain. We've learned so much about the heart of God in navigating grief and offense and hurt and disappointment and deep rejection, not only by what he's done in our life, but by walking in our unique calling to make space for other people to do the same. God has designed each of us and uniquely and collectively called us to be reflections of his nature and representatives of his purpose. If we allow God to reshape our identity and calling into who he made us to be, then every single one of us can find their unique place in God's story. So I want to invite you to stand up, and I want the ministry teams and the worship teams to come on up here, and we're just gonna take a few minutes to respond. And I just have a couple of questions that I'd love for you to take some time and ask the Lord as we uh, spend some time ministering together. And, and I really believe that God wants to facilitate a holy and heavenly exchange this morning. Uh, I saw a picture as I was praying this week of God walking around with a trash bag and he was ready for anyone in the room to throw away some of those earthly labels that you're still carrying around with you from your life or your experiences. Maybe specifically, I feel like if, if there's labels that other people have placed on you in your life, throughout your life, um, or something from a, a unique story or situation, I just feel like God is, is walking around the room ministering to heart saying, are you ready, are you ready? to hand that identity over, that label over and receive my truth for you instead? Maybe you're in the room and you've never received your collective identity as a child of God, that you've never allowed yourself to believe that you are truly loved by him and adopted into his family. And if you have never experienced that before, please come up here and let someone pray for you. We would love to facilitate and help you exchange all of those earthly identities and receive your heavenly identity as his son and daughter. So God's exchanging labels this morning, whether it's your primary collective identity in Jesus or a unique label that you've been carrying around, God wants to exchange those for new heavenly identities. And the other question is, what is God calling out in you? Have you asked him to share with you the unique ways that he has made you? Have you allowed him to shape this unique identity? And have you let that identity order your purpose and the way you live your life? I think God's calling us back. Maybe there's people in the room who have had moments where God has shared this unique identity over you and you just forgot. Or maybe you needed to remember the way that God has purposed and fashioned you to be a part of his story. I think God wants to speak those things and remind us of those things this morning. So I'm gonna pray and, and if you, uh, in your heart where you're at or up here at the front, just be asking the Lord to be speaking to you, revealing to you your true identity, your truest calling and purpose in being his sons and daughters fully set free and redeemed by him, set apart uniquely by him, and part of his beautiful story. Jesus, we love you. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room right now. Come and be the great high priest who ministers to every heart the way that you know how. Come and facilitate a heavenly exchange this morning. Come and fill us, Lord, with your truth and your identity. And would it bind up the things that aren't true and send them out and make more room for you to speak your unique truths over us. Come and work in hearts and minds. We welcome you here in Jesus' name.